The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So today was supposed to be one of our favorite episodes, the mock trade deadline. We had to postpone that, obviously, with the tragic news of the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter near Calabasas, California today. And so instead, Danny and I just wanted to talk a little bit about Kobe and our memories of him and some of the moving tributes that we saw around the league. Danny, what's the first thing that you think about uh, with your own personal experience uh, covering Kobe? There's a lot. I mean, he was a giant in the league. I started covering the league in 09, and I remember the first time I was in the locker room with him, and it was one of those players who genuinely gave me goosebumps. I lived in LA for some of the Shaq Kobe heyday, and I mean, I remember just the way the way that he commanded a room, especially in, in some ways in his later career, once he understood the magnitude of everything. But for me, the indelible one was actually a time that he wasn't in the building with me. It was on the last day of the 2016-15-16 regular season. The Warriors were at Oracle, and they it was the, la- the last game of that season where there were two games that I can recall. There might have been a third. And it was the Warriors were going against the Memphis Grizzlies for their 73rd win, break the, the Jordan Bulls record. And we're at that game. Both you and I are sitting together. And during that game, which the Warriors won for their 73rd, media members and fans in their seats at an NBA game are watching their phones and watching their computers because Kobe was scoring 60 on on net on the Jazz and it's one of the most indelible moments of my media career and I mean um, it's to to have the amount of uh, love and his place within the NBA community is it's it's unique and it's remarkable and it was such a great culmination of so many different threads in that moment yeah and at the end of this episode I'm actually going to append the episode we did for that crazy 60 point game that he had to finish his career and I think for at least me who grew up in Chicago with Michael Jordan the way that I'm analogizing it is for a lot of people Kobe had the same effect on them and so while I personally am not as affected I think as the people who really either covered him closely I came in kind of at the end of his career or lived in the LA area the way I think about it is like how would I be feeling right now if this were Michael Jordan three years after he had retired I mean that's just absolutely insane to think about it and he was around the Lakers he was still recruiting guys to to join the Lakers he was in the media he was embarking uh, on a very visible second career he was very visible as a father in his daughter's lives and so that's what really is so shocking about this and for a lot of people i think 
and the players as well he is if not the best player of all time the most important player of all time to them when they were 10 12 years old watching kobe and it, we saw that with some of the moving tributes that uh, were delivered today yeah i mean you have trey young changing his jersey number i thought that was that was something that really struck me and and the point that you brought up um i mean DeRozan, of course who is who is an la kid and and all the connections there you think about all the all the kids that grew up in the la area not that kobe was any less idolized other places but i mean um, i i the one one of the ones that struck me was bogdan bogdanovich talking about how he how kobe Kobe shaped his game and remembering that Kobe's international presence that how the league has changed so much during his career and during his lifetime and how this generation of basketball players that were shaped by Kobe Bryant is not just American basketball players it's players around the world yeah some of the tributes uh, first teams the Raptors uh, and the Spurs each took 24 second shot clock violations to memorialize his number 24 then uh, other teams did a 24 second violation followed by an eight second violation moments of silence before games mark cuban declaring that the mavs are going to retire number 24 in honor of kobe so it really is a loss for the nba community considering what a great ambassador he was and i feel almost awkward discussing it because i know so many people have such strong emotions about it themselves to where i feel i'm not really doing justice to the way that people felt about him yeah, it's there is a real challenge there, and I, I think to something back to something Doc Rivers said was about he Doc thought that Kobe just had so much more that that he could have given. Now he gave so much. I mean, during during the course of his career, and I think about the, the circumstances surrounding his passing. That tragically, his daughter Gianna and other members of the uh, of the helicopter they were going to a basketball tournament in Thousand Oaks, and that part of Kobe's next chapter looked like was going to be mentoring his daughters not only in life but maybe some of them in basketball and. And he could have been an amazing light for women's basketball and for women's athletics, which is, w- would be wonderful to have that with somebody who is so prominent in his own right. And it, I mean, all of that is is now fundamentally changed. And it's, I mean, heart of course goes out to to all the families and of all of all the nine people passed. But I mean, the Bryant's, this is it's it's unfathomable and for the for the community. But I mean, the part of it, I mean, it's it's crazy how something this this kind of small does it. But I mean, when I just saw like 18 all-star games for Kobe and you remember how big he was as a player and as a figure within the sport from the second he set foot on the court. I mean, the there's stuff in that in, in um, Jonathan Abrams' great book, Boys Among Men. I was thinking about that today. And how he was he was huge from from the jump. And that and, and it com- and, and it didn't culminate because he won championships and everything else, but that it stayed that way. And I mean I was there for his jersey retirement and it, it the the wattage had not dimmed one iota. And that's truly incredible. And I think the the way that he played tied into the era that he was in. I don't know that it would even be possible today to play the way that he played. I mean, and I went back and watched it. My favorite game of his was the game we talked about about a month ago, that game six against the Suns in 2010. And the shots that he was taking, just terrible shots. And yet they were good shots for him in that moment. And he beat people taking those shots. And I think that's in some ways now, you know, you wouldn't be taking a long two with two guys on you fading away from 21 feet. And yet he made a living on those shots and 
he beat people with that even when the other team knew they were forcing him into taking bad shots and you did your job it still didn't matter and so I think he maybe even more so than Jordan is the best difficult shot maker of all time and when you see those go in the basket the feeling that that could inspire that he is just doing something that's absolutely impossible that no one else could possibly be doing and the feeling that he is doing it all by himself and he's willing his team to victory. Something that even with someone like LeBron, who you might say is a better basketball player, but LeBron, it's about setting up his teammates and surgical dissection. And so those shots that Kobe would hit were just defied the imagination a lot of times that you could be losing to someone who's doing this to you. And that's because I, I mean, people will be shocked to hear this. I was actually rooting very hard for the Suns. I was kind of a Suns fan in the 2000s. That's where I moved there for Arizona for law school. And so I love that Suns team. I love the way that they were playing. I was rooting against Kobe very heavily in that series. And you couldn't do anything but just shake your head at how unbelievable it was in that game six at the end of the game. He was just killing them and they couldn't do anything about it. And also, I mean, part of it is playing for the Lakers and playing for the Lakers when he did. But Kobe having these kind of epochs within his career you know of course the Shaq Kobe years and then the 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 short wilderness and then you know getting getting back there three times with Pal and and, and that group and and then you know the, the the later career stuff and it's it in some ways is unfortunate that for Dunked On you know most of what we focused on was the very late career Kobe and, and all that but I mean all the rest of it was was still there and I mean he had that had that definitive performance and it's I mean just the I, I, I like that you brought up the idea of Jordan just because remember how basketball players get into the league very young and so the players that were formative for them can often be contemporaries and I mean I think we saw that I mean you, you, all these players who were who, who Kobe changed their lives and affected the, their basketball ethic let's call it that and they played against him they played with him and that is a part of what makes this sport truly special is that I mean as you said he retired just a couple of years ago and yet the generation that is coming up was changed by his career and and that that's that's a, a really in, incredible piece of of his legacy and a lot of these guys and it's something that unfortunately you know we're, basketball in the world we're lucky that we haven't had that many of these tragic passings of of mega stars I mean people are talking about Wilt and Wilt was significantly younger or so significantly older when he passed than Kobe and that it the way that the way that fame and the way that these impacts happen is just is so fascinating and it, it makes today even more heartbreaking. Yeah, so Kobe, whether you want to say he was a good person or not, I think that a lot of that depends on your perspective. And I think he's got a lot of things on his ledger on both sides there. But it's undeniable the impact that he had on people as an icon and in the game, as you saw. I mean, these are some of the toughest men that you're ever going to see moved to tears over and over again by this untimely demise of a legend, Kobe Bryant. So Danny and I recorded that a little earlier, but with a little more time to think about it, I just had a lot of memories of Kobe swirling around in my head, and and I hope you'll indulge me. I wanted to relate a few more of those, just in kind of a stream of consciousness fashion. Unlike a lot of times, I didn't really prepare for this, so I hope you'll bear with me just speaking extemporaneously. I, the first thing that sticks out to me as a memory is before he was even drafted, the will, you could say, and I, a lot of people have said this and it sticks out to me, is he is just someone who always wanted to take control of the situation, who believed that he 
could control the situation and for a guy who is projected in the lottery to manipulate his way around going to the nets and the hornets and get to la even that even at a young age he was 17 when he was drafted to know what he wanted and fight for it and get it even at the start and you go to the four air balls his rookie year as an 18 year old in game five against utah in 1998 where he still had the belief in himself to take those shots going up against men at that time carl malone and john stockton and i always remember him waving off a screen from carl malone in what i think was his first all-star game so he could go one-on-one and angering everybody the powers that be you know there was certainly a time when he was playing against his idols the way that players idolize him now and he never really backed down from them and wasn't afraid to take more than maybe even people thought that he should be taking at that time and then i think about how the lakers had eddie jones ahead of him who was a really good almost all-star level of shooting guard they moved him to make way for kobe and it paid off in that first championship in 2000 which was probably the best team that kobe was on 67 and 15 lakers team and one of the biggest highlights of his career is that alley-oop to Shaq in the last minute against portland as they completed a 15 point comeback in game seven at home spraining his ankle missing that game three against indiana coming back in game four indiana could have tied the series Shaq falls out Kobe takes over in overtime. I'll remember the palms down. All right, calm down. I got this gesture. 2001, really, he becomes a superstar. He wasn't quite at that level in that 2000 season, but by 2001, and then particularly in those playoffs as they had maybe the greatest playoff run ever to only lose one game in those 2001 playoffs. I'll remember again his struggle for essentially control of the team with Shaq situation where he believed he was the best player and he worked the hardest and essentially it was his team and there was uh, periods where there was daily drama between he and Shaq and it was leaking out into the paper and yet they still won more championships I remember a series and a year that not many people talk about the Lakers coming off three straight championships they lost at home they got blown out by Tim Duncan Spurs in the second round in 2003 and I remember him just bawling his eyes out it seemed like it was almost incomprehensible given what the Lakers had been through that year and that was maybe his best individual year that was a a year when Shaq I think that was the company time year for Shaq where he said he was going to rehab on company time he missed a a good part of the beginning of the series uh, the season and then they didn't have as good a seed as maybe they should have and and some of the support players were getting a little older but I remember him bawling his eyes out at the end of that you know the on-court interview at the end of that series as they lost to Tim Duncan, it was almost like he couldn't believe that it was possible that he was going to lose. And that summer, they got Gary Payton and Carl Malone, and those guys were still considered all-star level of players. They got those guys for the vet minimum and the mid-level exception, basically. And it looked like they're going to have a super team, and maybe they still would have won it had it not been for Malone's injury. But what happened with Kobe in a Colorado hotel room in that summer of 2003 also has to be talked about. And the fact that he eventually recognized in that settlement that she did not believe that what happened was consensual and he had to pay an undisclosed amount of money to end those proceedings. And that's certainly something that has to be talked about when you think of him and he did a lot of great things before that a lot of great things after that i remember i once asked my twitter followers 
if you're a Kobe fan, does that bother you or not? And why or why not? And I, I got a lot of really interesting responses to that. A lot of them were from people of color who basically said, no, like, I don't believe the allegations. I've seen too many people in the news or that I know be falsely accused of things, and I just don't believe it. Others said Kobe and the Lakers, they're my escape from the real world. And I'm, it's just not something that I'm thinking about a lot when I root for him or I'm a fan of him or that I choose to appreciate his basketball brilliance. And there are others who said, hey, you know what? I'm. This is a legal system that we have, and he wasn't convicted of a crime. And it's not my job as a fan to dig into a bunch of evidence where we don't even necessarily have the whole picture to try to determine guilt or innocence and whether I'm going to root for this guy or not. And yeah, I have a lot of other memories of him personally, and I'm going to get to those, and I'm going to spend maybe 5% of this discussion on those allegations. But I do think that it does at least have to be acknowledged uh, when you're talking about him. And in that 04 finals, I remembered him really struggling. Phil Jackson said in his book that he's complaining about Tayshaun Prince tapping on the arm and that was one of the greatest defensive teams of all time and he couldn't do it by himself in that series either and then the breakup of the Lakers the Shaq trade remember Kobe could be a free agent there was talk he was going to go to the Clippers that offseason and whether the Lakers were concerned about giving Shaq a new contract whether they didn't think that Kobe would return unless they moved Shaq Kobe finally got his own team and for a while it seemed like that was going to be a struggle for him at least on the court that first season 0405 he suffers one of the worst ugliest sprained ankles that I can remember I think he went up for a rebound skied for it came down on someone's foot and it was like ankle all the way to the floor he missed a bunch of time with that they don't make the playoffs with Rudy Tomjanovic as the coach. Next year, Phil comes back. The 81-point game, I actually watched the second half of that live. I was lucky enough to just be in front of the TV, and it was on, I want to say what is on, like NBA TV or something. I don't remember how I got that game in Arizona, but it was after the conference championship games. It might have even been when they were going on in football, and I still can remember just off the top of my head his stats from that game. I think it was 28 out of 46 from the field, 55 points in the second half I think he had 27 in the third and 28 in the fourth in a game that like they actually were trying to win and that was really close to the best that he was he still had the athleticism he could get his jump shot off over anyone there was really like it was him and Lamar Odom and almost those were the only two like actual starter level players on that team and so uh I think they won like 45 games that year that would go up 3-1 on the Suns who were the two seed Kobe has 50 in game four I want to say and goes off hits a shot at the end of regulation then it hits the game winner in that game four I think that was off of a jump ball at center court got Rajah Bell suspended. That game six of that series is one of the all-time classic games with Tim Thomas hitting a a three-pointer to send it back to Phoenix. And then Phoenix completely killed him in game seven. And Kobe, I think he took like three shots in the second half, I want to say. I can't remember if it was the second half or the the first half. I think it was the second half. And I remember the storyline throughout that series had been that they were trying to punch the ball inside, really punish the Suns who were super small. Stoudemire was out and Kobe was overall supposed to be taking a backseat he also had that ridiculous dunk on Steve Nash I think in game two of that series which they won on the road 
The next year, 06-07, they go down to the Suns much more meekly. And that summer, there are trade requests. There's talk that he wanted to go to the Bulls, but he had the no trade. Yet another thing he had negotiated the control of, right? That's a, a very common thing. I forget who it was who first mentioned that, but that's something that does stick out to me a lot. But he didn't want Luol Deng to get traded back because he wanted to be on the Bulls and still have Deng there so they could compete. And then they start that next year on fire. I think they were like 25 and 12 or something. And then Andrew Bynum goes down for the year. And you're like, well, this is this is it again. They're not going to be contenders. And the Pau Gasol trade revitalized everything for them as far as being a contender. They really built it around him, Odom, and Gasol. Bynum comes back the next year. And it was really those next three years when they made the three straight finals that I just remember him summarily dispatching with these Western Conference contenders like Utah. He just had absolutely no one to guard him. They'd try Kirilenko 2010. They tried like rookie Wes Matthews. And Ben Taylor has talked about this, how his game really translated to the playoffs in those years. They had unbelievable playoff offenses. There was no way to slow him down in the playoffs the way you could a lot of other guys because his mid-range shot making maybe it wasn't the absolute most efficient in the regular season but in the playoffs he could always get that shot off against virtually anyone at, at that point in time that 09 Lakers team won 65 games in the regular season that's a team that really is not talked about as one of the great teams of all time end up winning a championship in five games in Orlando did it on Orlando's floor Kobe was obviously a a worthy MVP in that series 2010 there's that, that game I talked about with Danny a little earlier that game six against the Suns killed the Jazz in the, that year too. 2010 finals, he actually had some of his best games in losses. I want to say it was game five in Boston where he really went off with just another crazy mid-range shooting run. Shot the six out of 24 in that game seven. They win anyway by killing Boston on the boards. But that game again was, despite the fact that he didn't have his best game, was very emblematic for me uh, of the way that he played for good or for ill. And mostly for good, obviously. This is one of the greatest players of all time. 2011, they get swept by the Mavs. And I remember Kobe saying that he just didn't really feel particularly healthy that year, that he wished he could have played better for Phil. But, you know, his knees were kind of starting to betray him a little bit. And it looked like they easily could be a team that would be right back in the finals that year. I think they won 57 that year in the regular season. It wasn't at all clear that their run was over until they just ran into that Dallas buzzsaw and lost the first two at home. And then it seemed clear that, you know, that might be it for championship contention. They almost trade for Chris Paul the next offseason. They don't get him. That would have been a fascinating combination of Kobe and Chris Paul. I think a lot of people at the time thought, oh, pure point guard. Someone can set Kobe up. I think now we understand a little bit more about basketball that, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been the most seamless fit because they're both very ball dominant players. And instead, the next year, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard come in with Gasol. Nash gets hurt. Howard isn't the same guy that he was in Orlando and it really Gasol gets moved to the bench at one point that year and it really became the Kobe show and the D'Antoni offense really revitalized him because remember he was playing in the triangle offense he was playing at the elbows posting up isoing maybe a little pick and roll but the floor wasn't spread now with the D'Antoni system he put up some unbelievable numbers even at a point where he's 33 years old doesn't have the same athleticism he could cock back a, a dunk every once in a while I think he put one down on Brooke Lopez that year that I'll still remember and you could go through some of his best dunks that would be a, a whole other show the one that he had I think he had one on Yao and he had one on Dwight Howard back in like the 0203 that were I'm reminded of uh, as a couple of his best so he's putting up unbelievable numbers just trying to will them into the playoffs 
playing well over 40 minutes every game and then he tears the Achilles against Golden State hits the two free throws speaks to the media after tearing his Achilles with his eyes raw and I think he actually wrote a message on his Facebook page that night comes back six games the next season I want to say gets that fractured leg misses a whole another year and then when he returned it clearly wasn't the same any longer the Lakers gave him that long extension that was a matter of huge controversy as well when he hadn't even played yet they gave him that extension coming off the Achilles tear he was on some bad Laker teams with Byron Scott those couple of years and then all of that really seemed just playing out the string and he was getting all this love and I think in some ways those years were important for his legacy just knowing that he had retired and I think that the fact that he had to accept for himself that no he wasn't clearly wasn't one of the greatest anymore that his body was betraying him that he was moving into a phase where the Lakers weren't going to be contending just because he was on the team and I think that actually may have been good for him at least his public persona to open up a little bit more and just appreciate what he had and joke around and not have to take the whole thing so seriously because if he did he probably given how competitive he was couldn't have functioned and he certainly took control again of the storylines that last year and that 60 point game on 50 shots I mean that was that happened the same night as the Warriors 73 win Danny talked about it so I don't need to hit on it that much but I remember thinking at the time it didn't seem like it was like some farce where they're just letting him shoot like Utah seemed like they were trying in that game even though they were out of playoff contention they were playing most of their guys pretty amazing thing you would never see that even I mean I think like Favors was injured or something but you'd never see a team trying in that situation now even two or three years later but Utah had some prize they knew they were on a stage they were out there giving it a shot and trying to win the game and Kobe actually brought them back and they won in that 60 point game and I'll I'll probably link our episode that we did that night somewhere else I don't know if I want to replay the whole thing now as I think more about it so those are my memories of Kobe uh, on the court and again I just want to extend my condolences to all those who really followed him who he inspired who are big Laker fans And obviously the families of those who perished in this tragedy. We'll talk to you all tomorrow night. Till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 